Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. Bill Schlegel here. This episode is called New Creation in the Gospel of John, Chapter 1, with Dr. Andrew Perry. A subtitle for the episode is The Beginning of John 1-1 is a New Beginning, not the Genesis Creation. This podcast hopefully will be the first of a series in which Dr. Perry will explain reasons why the prologue of the Gospel of John is best understood to be introducing the new creation in the man Jesus, who is referred to as the Word in John 1.1. Dr. Perry's occupational background is in information technology, but he is now an independent researcher and author. His Ph.D. in New Testament is from Durham University in England. His numerous articles and books are available on his academia.edu and Lulu Bookstore. See the links in the show notes. In this episode, Dr. Perry begins to give evidence for why he understands that in the beginning of John 1.1 is best understood as referring to the new beginning that God brings about through the ministry of the man Jesus Christ. Dr. Perry explains that the author of the Gospel of John is reusing Genesis language to intentionally draw a comparison between the beginning in Genesis and the new beginning in Jesus. The man Christ Jesus is referred to as the Word in John 1.1 because in a parallel way to Genesis, things come to be through him, through God's Word. In Jesus' case, we're not talking about a material creation. Life came to be through Jesus. As John 1, 3-4 explained, that which came to be in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So let's get to our interview with Dr. Perry. New creation in the Gospel of John. Dr. Andrew Perry, thanks so much for doing this interview today. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and comments on the prologue of the Gospel of John. Yes, nice to be here. Andrew, you've written somewhat extensively on the prologue. Let me just mention that first of all. You have a book called The Prologue of the Gospel of John, A Socinian Approach. And you've got a couple of other long articles specifically dealing with the prologue of the Gospel of John. And you have made these accessible to people on your Academia account. Is that correct? That's where I got them all. Yeah, the uh, papers and uh, the book, John 1, verses 1 to 18, Associating Approaches on academia.edu as a free download. They're also available to buy on Lulu if you like, you know, hard copy. Some people like to own something physical. Excellent. So, Andrew, let's start right off and talk about some of the major themes of the prologue of the Gospel of John and, I guess, by extension, the whole of the Gospel of John. And reading your material and hearing you speak on a couple of other occasions, there is so much that I think fair to say that you and I agree with. We would take the same approach, and especially what you've called the Socinian approach here, 
that the prologue of the Gospel of John, the beginning here, is not a direct reference to the Genesis creation, but is a reference to a new beginning in Jesus, which could even be called a new creation? Um, it's the uh, beginning of the ministry, um, I would have said. If we examine the use of the term beginning in the Gospel of John, it is used with regards to the, the beginning of the ministry. Um, for example, John 2, verse 11, 6, verse 64, 8, 25,15,27,16,4. Um, it's also a word that is used to refer to the Genesis beginning in the Gospel of John. But it's a question of which beginning you think that John is referring to. And it's natural to associate the beginning here that John mentions with the uh, Gospel of Mark, which also uses beginning as recount the Gospel story. So the four Gospels, I think, all start with this beginning in one way or another, which is essentially the beginning of Jesus and his ministry. Matthew and Luke, of course, have the birth narratives, but uh, we don't have a birth narrative here in John. So that's what I think the beginning refers to, because John's usage of the term, his majority usage, is with regard to the ministry of Jesus. I think that elsewhere in the New Testament, you've got statements about a new beginning happening at this time. For example, in Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. So there's a new beginning, a new stage in the purpose of God, I think. You've also got John's letter, 1 John verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. This is an experience that John is recounting from a beginning, which he was involved seeing and handling, and the word of life. We would ask, well, what is the word of life? And it seems to be connected with John's prologue and his use of the word there. Um, other verses in the New Testament, Luke 1 verse 2 says that, uh, when recounting his gospel that he had inquired of those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers. Um, in Acts chapter 1, Peter says all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day. But of all the evidence for it being the thing of the ministry of Jesus is set out in the book that we've mentioned. So I think that what we have is a quotation of Genesis 1 verse 1 in the beginning. That's fairly clear. A, because it begins the Gospel of John and it begins the book of Genesis. And B, because it's an exact uh, reproduction of the Greek Septuagint, which itself is an accurate translation of the Hebrew in the beginning.
I'm aware that the Hebrew is um, contested. I go with the traditional reading of the Hebrew. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So John is reusing this language to compare what he's going to talk about, which is this new beginning, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and the significance of that with the Genesis beginning. And that's why we have the language. The alternative reading, of course, is to say, well, no, this is not right at all. Um, it's just all about the Genesis beginning and um, not at all about the ministry of Jesus. And really what you have here is a fork in the road. You go down the beginning of the ministry of Jesus route, or do you go down the, it's the Genesis creation that's really the topic under consideration here. So you've got a fork in the road here. If you go down one of the forks, you take a completely different approach to the prologue than if you go down the other fork. So just to clarify then, you see a comparison here or a parallel, would that be a fair way to say it, between the book of Genesis creation and the gospel of John. And that parallel is intentional by the author. Fair to say? There are comparisons to be made. There are comparisons to be made, yes. What John is picking up from Genesis chapter 1 is, of course, the pattern of God speaking and what he speaks coming into existence or coming about happening. So, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And John is seeing this whole series of and God said utterances in Genesis chapter one. And this is giving his background to what he means when he says in the beginning was the word. So he's drawing on that background in Genesis. And the second point I would make, of course, there are some Genesis motifs being used in the prologue, such as light and darkness. He's not talking about the material creation here, but he's going to go on and talk about a, a spiritual creation. And that's the sort of comparison and parallel to make. Very good. So you often refer to the prologue's description as a new creation, even though the idea of yeah. that specific term is not found in the Gospel of John, the new creation. But you see it implied here. You see the parallels here. So you're, you're not shy about using new creation terminology here. No, I'm not bothered about that. Somebody can come along and say, look, it's not a term that John uses. It's not an expression of his in the prologue or in the Gospel. And so you can't really go about using it. Um, but it's really a question of, you know, how closely we can tie any terminology or expressions that we introduce, jargon if you like, it's how closely we can tie that to the actual text. So we must be able to tie it into the text or else it will just become sort of disconnected from the text or it's something that we're just reading into the text. So, yes, it always does come down to, well, exactly what do you tie the 
idea or the phraseology new creation into. And I would say that in the first instance, we can tie it into John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. In John 1, verses 3 to 4, there's an issue about where these verses break, should break, or where the sentences should break. In the King James, it breaks in one way, but the um, early church fathers broke the two sentences differently, and they made the back end of John 1, verse 3, part of verse 4. And so the revised version offers in its margin that rendering that the early Greek fathers adopted, which was to say something like, that which was made in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Uh, so that's the reading of the Greek that I follow, and it's a pretty clear statement of creation, something being made, and it's also defining what is being made, and it's saying that which was made was life. And introducing that idea of life in him within the context of the New Testament writings as a whole is bringing in uh, ideas of new life in Christ. And we would go to Paul, the Apostle Paul, to elaborate on the idea of new creation and uh, new life in Christ. Mm -hmm. So whilst we don't have the term new creation in John's writings, uh, we do have similar phraseology in Paul's writings. And I don't separate the two authors when it comes to explaining what's going on in John or explaining what's going on in Paul. I would use them together. I think that uh, the apostles are there together in the same decades, part of the same ministry and talking to one another. Mm -hmm. and so I have no problem with using Paul to try and understand John or vice versa. So I have no uh, issue with the phraseology new creation as we use it with regard to the prologue. Mm. I think it's firmly rooted in verses three and four. Mm. Many commentators, of course, see it in the back end of the prologue or the middle part, which is say verses nine through 13 about uh, the sons of God and so on. They see the new creation there. Uh, but may not see it where I see it, which is starting here in verse 3 through 4. Also, Andrew, we have parallels, for instance, in other New Testament literature, like the book of Revelation, where Jesus is specifically said to be the beginning of God's creation. Now, it doesn't use the terminology new creation, but in context, we can understand that Jesus was not created first uh, in the book of Genesis. So when the writer of Revelation calls Jesus the beginning of God's creation, we see the parallel. This is a nice corollary yeah. with our interpretation of John's gospel and even Colossians chapter 1, where he is the firstborn from the dead, the beginning. So I think it's also maybe worthwhile to point out when we speak of new creation, we're not talking about a dissolution or destruction of the physical universe as we know it, but that this is it's really a, a renewal. What other kinds of terms would uh, be appropriate for this idea of the new creation? We're not talking about 
and God starting over with the material universe or something like that. We're not, no. I use the phrase ongoing new creation uh, because it's obviously logical to date the new creation from God's provision of skins to Adam and Eve after the fall because that's when God started the work of redeeming man from the consequences of the fall. So his renewal of creation or the new creation begins there. Even though Christ was to come thousands of years later, that's why we would say, well, I would say of the new creation in John that is about the ongoing new creation, which is why I tend to prefer saying that the beginning in John is about the beginning of the ministry rather than the beginning of a new creation. Well, because it's still a process. Yeah, it's it's uh, we can't um, exclude God's saving work through the centuries since Adam and Eve. And his saving work is the same. I mean, we know that Abraham saw the day of Christ through faith and had a faith that was related to the Christian faith. Um, so God has been saving individuals since the fall. And so that can only be the same as what he's been, he did through Christ. I don't like restricting the idea of new creation to something that's just Christian. And I like to include also the saving work of God with people down the ages before the Christian era. Mm -hmm. For instance, the Exodus, the bringing of Israel out of Egypt, would you consider that a, a new creation? A renewal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a beginning. It's obviously a beginning. There are beginnings in the purpose of God. And so, yep, yeah, it's a, uh, a cre the creation of Israel. Mm -hmm. Israel, also, the bringing about of Israel. Also, too, Andrew, is I think there are other ways in which we can see that God is at work in something new here in this gospel and the New Testament in general. And maybe we can talk about this more as we go along. But in the words of Jesus, in the deeds of Jesus, there's restoration. Be it the restoring of a man's ability to use his legs, the restoring of sight, and ultimately resurrection from the dead. I think people tend to forget that this book is describing a man that died and was raised from the dead. That is new life that is new creation literally so that to me is another reason to understand that the author is introducing the idea of new life as you briefly mentioned there in verse three and four new life in the man jesus christ through the man jesus christ yeah that's pretty much Clearly stated, as I say, in John 1, verse 3 to 4, it can't be any clearer, really. I mean, I, knew, I know the alternative readings. Um, you can have commentators say, well, it's talking about in the word as an abstract 
entity, um, there was life considered in an abstract way. And that would be an alternative proposal. But within the New Testament, it all seems so much more down to earth and involved with the man, Jesus Christ, this life. We will stop here for now and look forward to the continuation of our discussion when Dr. Perry gives reasons for why the man Jesus is called the Word, the Logos, in John 1.1. And how can we understand that a human person is being referred to when the author of the Gospel said, quote, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The humble will hear and rejoice.